following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Yeah, it's wider 
by faith I've received from above Oh glory, my soul is made perfect in love My prayer has prevailed And this moment I know The blood is applied I am whiter Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. This is an open Friday, open phones. You're welcome to call. I'm happy to pray with you. You can share a testimony. You can share what this radio broadcast has meant in your life. I'm just eager to talk with you. If you're sick and need prayer, if you're troubled and need prayer, whatever the need is, I'd love to pray with you, and you're welcome to share your heart. So the phone number to call is 877-534-0780, 877-534-0780, and the topic is yours. Now, I have a great deal I want to share with you and talk about, so if you don't call, I'll share But this is really your time. I'm trying now on Fridays to do an open line where you're welcome to call and pray for our president. If ever there was a time when our nation needs prayer, it is now. The House of Representatives, the president, the bitter conflict that's going on at the top echelons of our government, the division that is in our land, the racial hatred that is emerging in our land. Christians need to pray. You're welcome to call and pray for our president or to pray for Mr. Schumer or Nancy Pelosi. We need need to pray. So please, the lines are open. 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, are there any calls? Hello, Drew. Hello? Hello. 
Hi, Brother Greenlee. Oh, good. Okay, you're on. This is Pastor Ray. Hi. Hi. Hi, sir. My name's Tabitha. Um, I recently found you a few months ago, uh, your radio uh, show on YouTube, and I watch you just about every day that you're on. I really love it. It's been a great blessing to me um, in times when there's a lot of crazy teaching out there. You have really provided a great base in my life, and it's very encouraging. So I appreciate your ministry, sir, very, very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm calling Brother Greenlee to ask this. Uh, you could please pray for my daughter. Um, she's a little bit mixed up in her lifestyle right now. She's 24 years old. And one of the problems I'm having, I re- you know, my husband and I raised her in a Christian home, but she is falling under some kind of delusion that um, God is a woman. I think because she read a book uh, a friend had gave her, um, I think it's called When God Was a Woman, and she's kind of fallen under some false teaching of that. I mean, my daughter lives outside the home. She's an adult. She has her own life. But I don't really know what else to tell her other than the things I've already told her. But um, I just like prayer for her, and if you have any advice or guidance on any scriptures or anything I could give her, it would be much appreciated. Uh, the only advice I can give you is don't talk to her about God, talk to her about Jesus. We know Jesus was not a woman, he was a man, and he's our Savior. So I would avoid talking about the conflict, instead I would lift up Jesus and and talk about how much you love him and what he's doing in your heart. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, sir, it does. I mean, when it when a a young person is 24, they want to make their own decisions and they want to make their own ideas come true and and they don't know that they don't know anything yet. At 24, I didn't know anything. Right. It took time to grow up. So yeah. I would maintain the relationship and not enter into the conflict over whether wow. God is a man or a woman. But Jesus, we know, died on Calvary, and he's our Savior. Right. So I'd really focus the attention right there. Okay. In the form of testimony. Right. In, In the form of, this is what Jesus does with me. And when you're together, invite her to pray with you to Jesus. Find out what the issues are in her life that she feels she needs to be praying about. And then pray with her to Jesus. Don't pray to... God, pray to Jesus. Okay. In fact, I I have some people who who pray, uh, oh God, do this, do that. And I say, no, no, stop praying to God. He's our Father. And if you don't believe He's our Father, Jesus. Jesus is so real, and He's the one who died for us. Right. So, what's her first name? Her name is uh, Rachel. Rachel? Yes, sir. Would you like to pray for Rachel first, and then I'll pray? Okay. Father, I just thank you for my daughter, Rachel. Um, Thank you, Lord, that she's been a wonderful gift, and I've just enjoyed her so much, and I thank you for her as a blessing in my life and my husband's life. And, Father, I just, I know that it's your desire to... That no man should perish. So 
I just um, ask that you would reveal your heart to her. And um, as Pastor Greenlee said, you make Jesus alive to her like she used to know him when she was a younger child. Uh, bring bring him back to her memory and to her heart that she'll remember him and, and give, just choose to give her life over to him fully and over to you fully. So I just thank you for that, Lord. I ask any delusions that she's under, uh, any lies that she's received, Lord God, that you would uh, heal her mind of those things, that those things would be gone out of her thought, out of sight, out of mind, in Jesus' name. And I just thank you for her, Lord, and thank you for uh, what you were going to do in her life, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Rachel's parents. I thank you that they raised her in the fear of righteousness, and she knows what's right. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give her parents the ability to draw her very close without entering into conflict with her. And that, oh, Jesus, you would become real to her heart. That she would put her trust in you, Jesus. Would you bring friends into her life who know you, Jesus? Would you cause people to speak words to her that encourage her in her walk with Jesus? For, Lord Jesus, you're everything to us. You died on Calvary's tree for us. Oh, Jesus, we love you and we trust you. And I pray that you will not let Satan draw this young woman away from you, Jesus. But would you send your Holy Spirit into her heart and cause her to be so hungry for you, Jesus? Lord, I thank you. I praise and worship you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. It's meant a lot. And thank you for your advice. You're welcome, and God bless you. Thank you for the encouragement today. You've made my day already. <laughs> oh, I love your program. I love watching you. So I look forward to many more days. And thank you so much, sir. You stay blessed. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, do we have any other calls? Okay. The lines are wide open. I'm here for you. I'd love to talk with you or pray with you. And especially, are there men and women today who know the desperate need of praying for righteousness in our land and who know they need to pray for our president and for our Congress, for our Supreme Court. I was very disappointed this week by our Supreme Court who refused to hear this case about a teacher forcing a student to say the conversion prayer to Allah. And the Supreme Court let it stand that they could do that and give the student a failing grade because they would not pray that prayer. I am so grateful that that student refused to pray that conversion prayer to Allah. I would not pray that, no matter what the consequence, even if it were my life. Allah is a false god. He's a Mesopotamian false god. He is not the god of heaven. 
We do not serve the same God. The, the God of Islam and the God of Christianity are two totally different gods. If you don't believe that, look at the outcome between the two nations, the nation of Jesus and the nation of Allah. Wow. So we need to pray for our Supreme Court. They're off base. They're not protecting our religious liberty. The right to stand for Jesus in our public schools. So is there someone who would like to call and and lead the prayer for our nation, for our president, for his safety, that God would give him wisdom and understanding? It's eight seven seven five three four. 0780. Many today in the Christian church in Washington, D.C. would rather speak harshly and in criticism of President Trump. That's not what the scriptures tell us to do. If you've been doing that, please repent. Put him in Jesus' hands. Pray that Jesus will move in his heart. We're not to be in a place of being hostile and critical about Democrats or Republicans. We need to pray. Our nation must be brought back to holiness and righteousness. 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, any calls? Okay, this is your time. You're welcome to call. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel, and I'm standing by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, there is one thing that causes me real heartburn today among those who call themselves Christians. For some reason, we have not understood the Apostle Paul in Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 14, when he says, For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin Let me get my pages. Sin that leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's Romans 6. Romans 6, 14 through 18. Now, part of what I find as I talk with Christians, a legal bondage described in Romans, the seventh chapter, a life of sinning, of resolving to reform, and then falling again. 
And what is particularly saddening and even agonizing to me is that many pastors and leading Christians, even on the radio, give perfectly false directions upon the subject of how to overcome sin. Do you know how to overcome sin? The directions are generally given on this subject are simply not effective. They say, take your sin in detail and resolve to abstain from that sin and fight against that sin, if need be, with prayer and fasting until you overcome it. So set your will firmly against a relapse into sin. Pray and struggle and resolve that you will not fall. And persist in this until you form the habit of obedience and break up all your sinful habits. Now, to be sure, they usually add, in this conflict, you must not depend upon your own strength, but pray for the help of God. In a word, much of the teaching, both from the pulpit today in America and the Christian press, really amounts to this. Sanctification is by works and not by faith. And you'll recognize out of this week's broadcast that this is straight out of William Durham's followers. I remember as a child, I was looking in a book published by the church I was a part of, and they had an illustration. And the illustration was a rowboat, and one oar on that rowboat said faith, and the other war the other or said works and their teaching was you are justified by faith your your past sins are forgiven but now you have to begin to really work hard and my dad used to say to me Raymond you just have to pay attention you have to work harder you can overcome that sin if you work harder well, I was a child, and and I lived close to a, a dump, a junkyard. And I would, on occasion, go there because I would collect the, the copper and the brass, the aluminum, the iron, and I would bring it back in my wagon to the house, and I'd stack it in different piles. And then once a year, Dad would take all of that to the to the smelting firm where the ironworks were, and they would buy it from us. And with that money, I was able to go to summer camp every year. Well, in the process, I would find comic books. Donald Duck, Superman. Well, Dad said those comic books were sin. And then I remember he subscribed to the community newspaper and I would immediately, when everybody was gone, open the newspaper up and I would read the comics. And I had a very tender conscience. And my dad had told me that it was sin to read those comics. And so I was under deep conviction of sin. And so I would... I would turn my face against them, and for a day or two, I would be successful in not opening those comics. And I hid the the comic books under my mattress in my bedroom. 
And I remember being under such conviction of sin, and I couldn't leave them alone. I'd keep going back to them, and they were sin for me because I thought they were wrong. Now, today, I don't read the comics, and I don't read the funny books, but not because I believe they're such sin, even though I think they're an utter waste of time, and so in that sense, they are sin. I just don't go to those things anymore. But this belief that you can overcome sin by works is utterly wrong. And I was misled. Um, I was taught that you have to renounce that sin trace it back to its source, and then fight and pray against it with all of your might until you subdue it. This is what, this is what I did. I directed my attention to that outward act of sin and then resolved to find its source, and then I fought against it. I fastened my attention on it, and I prayed and I fasted. Some of you are doing the same thing. Some of you are doing that with, with stealing. You're not going to steal again until the next time. Some of you are doing it with pornography. After you watch the pornography, you feel wrong, you feel dirty, you don't want to go there. But you went there and you did that. You did it in secret, so it's on your computer, but nobody else knows about it or it's on your cell phone, and you knew it was wrong, and yet you did it because you just couldn't help yourself. For a long time, you withstood it, and then suddenly you went back to it. Some of you do that with alcohol. Some of you do that with barbiturates, with opiates. Some of you do that with, with fornication. You're not going to go back to that man. You're not going to go back to that woman. And then you find yourself right back there and you hate yourself for it. But you were serviced. And you feel horrible. Or some of you are very bitter and very angry with a family member. And you know it's wrong. And you keep saying, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive him. But I hate him. Lord, I forgive him. But you can't stand him. Sin is not overcome in this way. This process of sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting, struggling and fighting against the sin, it's useless. That's not how to overcome sin. It's a delusion. The devil loves it. So we have to go back and, and ask the question, all right, what is sin? And second, how do we overcome it? Well, our phone number here in studio is 877 877- 
534-0780. It's open line Friday. You're welcome to call. I'll be happy to pray with you. I'd be delighted to have some of you call and pray for President Trump or for Nancy Pelosi. Would you call and pray? Some of you have said, oh, pastor, you need to open the lines and and pray for our leaders. And then you don't call and pray. How come? It's wide open. It's for you. 877-534-0780. Now the question is, How do we overcome sin? Well, we can force ourselves by sheer dint to stop stealing. Or we can force ourselves to cut off that relationship of fornication. Or we can force ourselves, we can put safety measures in so that we don't go back to the pornography. We can overcome habits. But I want to maintain that sin is not external, but internal. It's not a muscular act. It's not the volition that causes the muscular action. It's not an involuntary feeling or desire. It must be voluntary in our heart, in our state of mind. Sin is nothing else than the voluntary, ultimate preference of committing ourselves to self-pleasure, out of which the violations and the outward actions, the purposes, the intentions, all of these things flow, and they're called sin. Now, what is resolved against in this religion of resolution and efforts to suppress sinful sinful behavior and to form holy habits. Well, bottom line, they're useless because love is the fulfilling of the law. But can we produce love by resolution? Do we destroy selfishness by resolution? No. We may suppress this or that expression or manifestation of selfishness by resolving not to do this or that and praying and struggling against it. We may even resolve upon an outward obedience and work ourselves up to the letter of an obedience to God's commandments. But to eradicate selfishness from the heart by resolution is absurd. So the efforts to obey the commandments of God in spirit, in other words, to attempt to love as the law of God requires by force of resolution, is simply foolishness. It can't be done. Now again, 877-534-0780. This is your time. I'm here to pray for you, for your family. Call 877-534-0780. And I'd also like to remind you 
I'd love to hear from you. Many of you have been so kind and so generous in supporting this radio ministry. This next month, our bill for this month will be almost $4,000, and we have very little toward that yet. So would you consider writing to me and contributing and helping to cover the cost of it's a faith ministry i don't have the ability to do it i wait on jesus so write to me at the national prayer chapel post office box 2346 woodbridge virginia 22195 i'll give you the address again so you can jot it down please it's the national prayer chapel post office box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 And frankly, some of you are my heroes. (laughs) Every month you're there. You stand faithfully with me. I think of Leslie, whom I pray for, and others that God has called to give. Of Peter. and of many others, I thank you. You can also give online. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. And if you haven't gone, go look at our new webpage. It's beginning to take shape, and it's much easier to operate. I hope you'll find it helpful to you. We're putting the messages front and center. Very simple format. I thank you. Mr. Ed Pugh, he's doing all of that work for us as a volunteer. In fact, he takes about 20 hours a week of volunteer time to do all the IT work, the editing work, and the the web page. I'm very grateful for men and women who will stand with me in this work of the gospel. Thank you. Now again, our phone number in studio, and I'm here to pray with you, 877 534-0780. Mr. Producer, any calls coming in? Oh, so we have wide open lines. They're there waiting for you. If I can pray for you, please. Some of you have listened to this broadcast for a long time, but you've never called and you've never given. I encourage you to do both. 877 534-0780. And depending on your response on these Fridays, is whether I'll continue them or not. Otherwise, we'll go back to doing a sermon on Friday. It's up to you. Now, there are many who maintain that sin consists in the desires Let's assume this is so. Do we control our desires by force of resolution? We may abstain from the gratification of a principle or particular desire by the force of resolution. We may go further and abstain from the gratification of desire generally in the outward life, but this will not produce the love of God, which constitutes obedience. If we become hermits and lock ourselves in a cell, we crucify all of our desires and appetites so far as their indulgence is concerned. 
we have only avoided certain forms of sin. The root of that sin has not been touched. Our resolution has not produced love, which is the only real obedience to God. All our battling with sin in the outward life by the force of resolution only ends in making us whited sepulchers. All our battling with desire by the force of resolution is of no avail, for in all this, however successful the efforts to suppress sin may be in the outward life or in the inward desire, it will only end in delusion, for by force of resolution we cannot manufacture love. All such efforts to overcome sin are utterly futile, and all All of this is unscriptural as well as worthless. The Bible expressly teaches us that sin is overcome by faith in Jesus. He is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Christians are said to purify their hearts by faith, Acts 15.9. And in Acts 26.18, it's affirmed that the saints are sanctified by faith in Jesus. In Romans 9.31 and 32, it's affirmed that Jews attain not to righteousness because they sought it not by faith, but as if it were by the works of the law. The doctrine of the Bible is that Christ saves his people from sin through faith in Jesus. It's received by faith to dwell in the heart. It is faith that works by love. Love is wrought and sustained by faith. By faith, Christians overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's by faith that they quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. It is by faith that they put on the Lord Jesus Christ and put off the old man with his deeds. It's by faith, it's by faith that we fight the good fight and not by resolution. It is by faith that we stand. It is by resolution that we fall. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's by faith that the flesh is kept under and the carnal desires destroyed. The fact that it is simply by faith that we receive the Spirit of Christ to work in us, to will and to do according to His good pleasure, He sheds abroad His own love in our hearts and thereby enkindles our love. Every victory over sin is by faith in And wherever the mind is diverted from Jesus by resolving and fighting against sin, whether we're aware of it or not, We are acting in our own strength and we are rejecting the help of Jesus and are under a delusion. Nothing but the life and energy of the Spirit of Jesus within us can save us from sin and trust in the uniform and universal condition of the working of this saving energy within us. How long shall this fact be at least practically overlooked by the teachers of Christianity. 
how deeply rooted in the heart of every person is self-righteousness and self-dependence. So deeply that one of the hardest lessons for the human heart to learn is to renounce self-dependence and trust wholly in Jesus. When we open the door by simple trust, he enters in and he takes up his abode with us and in us. By shedding abroad his love, he quickens our whole soul into sympathy with himself. And in this way, and in this way alone, he purifies our hearts through faith. He sustains our will in the attitude of devotion. He quickens and regulates our affections, our desires, our appetites, our passions. He becomes our sanctification. Very much of the teaching that we hear in prayer and conference meetings from the pulpit and the press is so misleading as to render the hearing or reading of such instruction almost too painful to be endured. What blind guidance for the soul that is longing after deliverance from the power of sin. I've sometimes listened to legal teaching upon this subject until I felt I wanted to scream. It is astonishing sometimes to hear Christian men object to the teaching which I have presented that leaves us in a passive state to be saved without our own activity. What darkness is involved in this objection? The Bible teaches that by trusting in Jesus, we receive an inward influence that stimulates and directs our activity, that by faith we receive his purifying influence into the very center of our being, that through and by his truth revealed directly to the soul, he quickens our whole inward being into the attitude of a loving obedience. And this is the way, the only practical way to overcome sin. But doesn't the apostle say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do his good pleasure. And is not this an exhortation to do what this, what this resolution is all about? No. If you look at the 12th verse of the second chapter of Philippians, Paul says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. There's no exhortation in this scripture to work by force of resolution but through and by the inworking of God. Paul had taught them while he was present with them, but now in his absence, he exhorts them to work out their own salvation, not by resolution, but by the inward operation of God. This is precisely what I teach on Pilgrim's Progress. Paul had too often taught the church that Jesus in the heart is our sanctification and that this influence is to be reached by faith. Now, I've been sharing some thoughts from Charles Finney, but they are much in line with my own thinking. And I have taught over and over on this broadcast 
that you do not overcome sin by struggling against sin. You overcome sin by going to Jesus, by confessing what you have done wrong, by saying, Lord, I repent of this, I turn away from this, and I turn to you, Jesus. Human behavior is changed through love. Jesus does not want our behavior to change through punishment. I want for every one of you who listen right now to this broadcast to be utterly set free from every bondage that holds you in sin. And I know the only way that can happen is if you right now turn to Jesus and confess honestly how you have tried in your own strength and your own power to overcome that sin, how you have utterly failed, and now you know that what you need is not a better resolution. It's not to try harder. What you need is the indwelling Jesus Christ in your heart who moves you, who incites you to love and excitement about Jesus. That's why I read the scriptures. I spend much time every day reading the scriptures. Why? Well, because as I read the scriptures, I see Jesus, and my heart is inflamed with love for him. I've recently gone through a very very painful and traumatic time. I can't go into it, but let me just say this. As I have walked through this very painful time of rejection, no anger, no bitterness, no vengefulness has risen in my heart. Instead, the Lord has enabled me with love and compassion to walk through this fiery trial. And I'm very grateful because it was an acid test to see whether the old Ray would rise up with self-defense and bitterness and accusation. And none of that showed its face. The only thing that prevented any of that from grabbing a hold of my heart is my constant focus on Jesus and his love and his mercy. I will not willingly enter into conflict with any man or any woman, but I will stand for Jesus Christ because he is my Lord and my Savior. He is everything to me. I want you to discover what I have, that deliverance from repetitive sin does not come by trying harder. It comes by utterly giving myself into the hands of Jesus. I overcome sin by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I cannot overcome in my own strength and my own ability. The devil will finally exhaust me, and then finally I'll explode. As a young man, I had a ferocious temper. That temper is gone today. Jesus took it. Because that temper 
that anger, that bitterness blocked me from Jesus. And I will not allow anything in my heart that will block me from my Savior, my Lord, my Jesus. He's the one I want. Well, we have five minutes left in the broadcast. If you want to call right now, very quickly, we have time for one phone call. 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, I'm going to pray, but if someone calls, interrupt my prayer, and we'll let them pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray now for my brothers and sisters who are struggling to overcome very specific sins, sins of fornication, pornography, lying, stealing, self-righteousness, bitterness of heart, anger, resentfulness, jealousy, Lord, I'm praying for men and women right now who keep going back to their old sins. And some, Lord, have gone back so many times, they now just say, well, it's up to Jesus. If he wants me to get rid of it, he'll take it. No, Lord, you didn't call us to be passive. You called us to repent of that very sin and then to come to you with it and give it to you. And let our eyes be full of you, not of our sin to let the love for you grow in our hearts as we look at the Scripture and as we experience your mercy. And Lord, as you come with your inward, mighty Holy Spirit and you take up a dwelling place in us, oh Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I'm praying that you will release that brother And that sister, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, there are some right now who are lifting their hands to you. I ask that you deliver them from that sin that so quickly besets them. Lord, cause them to focus on you, Jesus, and to be filled with your love and your glory and your power. For, Lord, you are the sanctifier. You are the one who makes us righteous. Lord, I thank you. And Lord, today, I must lift up our president. Lord, he is in such a desperate place. He is so threatened on every hand. I don't know how he can even function. But Lord, I'm asking that you would give our president great wisdom to lead this nation according to your will, according to your word to him. Would you speak to him plainly? And I ask, Lord, I ask, Lord, for the Democrats and the Republicans that you would cause them to turn to you, Jesus, and be converted. Lord, break and expose every corrupt politician. Bring them to their senses and bring our nation to a place of repentance and righteousness. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. 
If this broadcast is of value to you, we are totally dependent upon Jesus to move in your heart. This is a faith ministry from dime one to 4000 almost for the price every month. Would you write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our, our webpage. You'll find this broadcast there and many others. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I look forward to talking with you soon.